Well, I like drinking beer and I like talking hockey when I get to do both. I feel pretty lucky. Oh, let's get pucked up. Oh, there's like way too much gas. <laughs> oh, that's a good sound. <laughs> it tastes oh, it like funky. <laughs> What's going got on? Some, got some skunk in there? Like, ooh, I don't know about that one. Is that a, is that um, a Kel- Keller keg? It's so. I guess I'll explain what's going on on my end. <laughs> um, so Scott Dowler and I have just finished making um, a round of wheat beer ourselves, and I put a bunch of the runoff stuff at the bottom of the carboy into the into this uh, two liter growler that I have here. And I didn't want to waste a drop. So basically there's like a whole ton of sediment in there. And then there's like a little bit of beer. (laughs) (laughs) I I just unscrewed that and it smells funky. So I don't know. I'll still try and give it a a, a squid (laughs) and see how it goes. But um, that's what I'm drinking. That's how I'm doing. Uh, Joined by Wyatt Donowski in Winnipeg. Wyatt, how are you doing? What are you drinking? I've been I've been better, uh, but yeah, not not a great first round. So uh, it is now officially spring in Winnipeg, which means that I am drinking Aria, uh, which is a crisp floral aromatic beer from Sucrums, uh, one of my faves. Uh, and the, what a way to ring in spring, and with a nice Italian pilsner. Nice. So I've poured my beer out into a glass and it looks like beer. Oh, that uh, looks good. That's a good first step. It just still oh, yeah. smells weird. <laughs> a little yeah. skunky. It's not it's not even skunky. It's just like it, it's like wheat beer on crack. It just smells like so <laughs> pungent. Um, that's, uh just like just make just let it air out a little bit. Yeah. I, I should probably well, I want to take a sip just to see what it's like. <laughs> Yeah, it tastes fine. It's maybe just like a little bit sour, to be honest. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's kind of cool, actually. I don't know how we did that, but uh, yeah, there we go. So, nice. um, Wyatt, you're here with me to talk uh, the results of our round one predictions as well as, I guess, make our round two predictions and a couple other things we'll get to later. But first, we need to start with uh, round one and the fact that you almost ran the table with your insane predictions i'll just say <laughs> Woo! so um how many i was was i six for eight you were six for eight so you're six and two the only two you got wrong i think you said were the well the winnipeg vegas series mm-hmm. obviously yep. and you i also think took the kings over the oilers yeah right <laughs> somehow you called the kraken over the avs the panthers over the bruins the Leafs over the Lightning, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the Devils over the Rangers, the Hurricanes over the Islanders, and the Stars over the Wild. So congrats Ooh. on that, Wyatt. <laughs> um, I, on the other hand, only went four for four uh, with my more like sensical <laughs> picks, I guess. Um, yeah, I still was able to get like the Devils, the Stars. Um, what else did I get? I got the Oilers. And the Knights, not the but Leafs. I no, I wasn't going to pick the Leafs. Um, spoiler alert! Looking forward to what I'm thinking for round two. Um, but yeah, I, I 
I did think the Kraken were going to give the Avs a fight. I remember picking the Avs in seven, but saying that it was going to be really close. So mm-hmm. that one I was fairly close on. I think, though, the biggest prognosticator victory that we have to give for this whole thing was to you calling <laughs> Akira Schmid being the golden boy for the New Jersey Devils. So, Wyatt, can you walk us through your thought process that led you to uh, knowing somehow that Akira Schmid was going to be the savior for this team? Yeah. Uh, well, I had Akira Schmid for a week in my fantasy hockey league, and then he got sent down to the minors, which means I had to drop him. And then little did I know that I picked up Mackenzie Blackwood and he did nothing. So now I have him instead of Schmid. But, you know, it's all about, like, I think he's going to be like the Jonathan or whatever is Jordan Binnington of this year's playoff. I think he's just going to run the table. They're not going to know how to score on him. He's a new guy, kind of new on the scene. There's a lot that um, the devils are playing in front of him. I think they're rallying around him. Vitek Vanacek is gone next year. So uh, he'll now be the de facto starting goalie and he's a young guy as well. So yeah, put, put that playoff blood into him and let's get it going. So do you think that they could potentially even like it sounds like you're 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 a full buyer on Schmid at this point. Um do you think that he's gonna be their anointed their starter going forward at this point? Well he's I mean, gonna... it's only like four games, five games of playoffs plus like I think he has like twenty four games of regular season experience or something like that. Yeah, I think he's going to do really, really well. I think Caroline is underestimating him. He is clearly a better goaltender than Antti Ranta or whatever the other guy's name is. Freddie Anderson? Uh, who, yeah, whatever. And so he's <laughs> clearly better than both those goalies. Like one of the like most well-known goalies still in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, how did that go in Leafsland when he was there? So yeah, that's, 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 that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> so, I remember actually speaking of which, when they put decided to put Anderson in for the decisive game six, um, a stat came up that was like Freddie Anderson is 0 and 8 in series clinching games. <laughs> I'm like, well, there's a leaf if I've ever seen one. <laughs> yeah, so I, it's like it's like bringing up one of those like new guys that no one has scouted because they have no idea where he came from, and they're like, how do what's the scouting report? Well, we're making it up as we go along. So yeah, let's uh, let's get some Akira Schmid going on on this uh, playoff run. So it's gonna be yeah, a, a good one. They clearly knew they had something there with them because they just bypassed Mackenzie Blackwood entirely and going from Vanacek <laughs> to Schmid, which is interesting. Um, I, I'm, I'm sorry you didn't hang on to Schmid and decided to pick up Blackwood, but uh, he'll he'll probably go pretty early in our prospect draft, I have a feeling. Oh, he, he tricked me. <laughs> he tricked, he's tricked everybody. So, yeah. yeah, this hopefully is the coming out party for him. So, uh, again, I think there was a, a tweet that's like, for a player chant, they were gonna play the tequila song, and then when the the part the, the, the tequila comes up, they're gonna yell Akira, and they're gonna yell Akira. Like, what a great chance! And so, like, how is that not adopted everywhere? So, yeah, let's 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 get him going. And like, they're already a team that has what like for like including him is he like the fourth Swiss player on the team or something like that? Like, they've got. I had no idea he was Swiss. <laughs> yeah, he's Swiss. <laughs> Unreal. They've got an insane number of Swiss players, considering there's probably only like eight Swiss players in the whole NHL. Him, um, him and Nico just hanging out. Yeah, and Timo Meyer. Yeah, I feel like there's one more that I'm forgetting, but they've got like quite a few Swiss players. Um, nice. In any case, maybe we should uh, transition from that to talking about just uh, 
Uh, the, the other big news that is non-playoff related, but big news nonetheless, is the firing of Daryl Sutter. Coming took took a bit of a while, actually. Like <laughs> something that I thought if they were going to do that they were going to do at the end of the season, basically the time that True Living cut, cut bait, mm-hmm. but. Um, they decided to take an extra bit of time to really like talk to and interview the players and get a feeling for like how, uh, uh, just like awful and toxic of a culture, I guess there was between Sutter and the players. So why, what do you, what are your thoughts on not just the Daryl Sutter firing, I guess, but the timing of it and, uh, what you can expect for Calgary moving forward? The timing is so weird uh, because I think they still would have wanted to keep Tree Living, the GM, rather than Sutter. And I think the ownership is like, we're keeping Sutter and, and Tree Living's like, cool, I'm gone. And so like ha- him leaving, if like it was like two weeks earlier or three weeks earlier, I think they still would have kept, I think, the more valuable asset being Jim Tree Living. But he also kind of sucks. I mean, Brad for living. Sorry to. Oh, whatever, Brad. Jim. <laughs> you're, you're too used to GMs starting with the name Jim, so I. I'm Wait, sorry. no, Jim Tree Living's the guy from Dragons Den. So. Oh. That's not- <laughs> yeah, so. Same too, thing. too busy, too busy shitting on Jimbo Benning, and. Uh... <laughs> yeah. And so now they don't have either, which is like such a weird thing. And like apparently, the Calgary Flames players said that they didn't practice the power play once last year like in practice no practice on the power play so like pretty impressive that they scored power play goals regardless yeah. of like, the lack of power play time and the way he like Sutter treated Jacob Pelte probably the best rookie coming up in the NHL uh is kind of insulting as well uh so again I think like that there was a huge consequence there for disrespecting Jacob and you, and you would you wouldn't have a vested interest in Jacob Pelche by any chance would you Wyatt I wouldn't look up his stats and read them out loud in the press in the press conference after after the game. That's for sure. So why it, obviously why it has Jacob Pelche on <laughs> his, his dynasty team. Just so, um, so yeah, I think like I don't know. The Calgary Flames are in a rut, and like it must really make them so angry that Edmonton's doing so well. So like it's now. I think they're just trying to stay relevant, and they're like, uh, we, like there's another hockey team in Alberta that's that still is making headlines. Uh, but I have no idea where they're going to go. Maybe Travis Green and Jim Benning. Who knows? <laughs> Pretty good combination. So <laughs> <laughs> they already got Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom. What? Let's just make the the trifecta. Yeah, just get the whole gang back together for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I honestly thought that Sutter was going to get a chance, at least if they weren't going to keep him as coach, to go upstairs basically to get like a director of hockey ops or vice president or something like that i don't know one of those like titles that i don't know what they actually do they just kind of like show up and talk to the media every now and then i thought he'd get that um but no it seems like he pissed enough people off that he doesn't even get that so it's pretty wild uh big fall from grace after seeming vote of confidence at the end of the season mm-hmm. so yeah, and what are your thoughts about just the fact that the players have this much power these days that they can get a coach fired pretty much, it seems, just from their dis- disliking of him? Yeah, I think, think it, I think it's interesting looking at, like, Sutter's record on, like, he's, like, clearly an old-school coach, and, like, that's that's his shtick, and he likes that. And then there's, like, what, like, do you know who the longest-tenured coach is? 
It's got to be John Cooper. Yeah, John Cooper, who's like automatically a player's coach. Like people like playing for him. Like he's a nice guy. He doesn't throw anyone under the bus. They practice the power play in practice. So like all these intangibles that he's like the longest. And that speaks so much like how the NHL is like changing where like old school coaches and that old school culture that we always complain about on this podcast is now like kind of being phased out, which is cool. And like the, the more representative and like more, I guess, nuanced way of coaching is, is becoming more accepted, which is good. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting is I was reading an article published where they quoted the ownership group saying, um, or maybe it was, it was either the ownership group or Don Maloney saying like, well, you see, the thing is like, this is nothing out of the ordinary for coaches. Every coach only has a two to three year shelf life max. That was what Daryl was at. So this is the time that all coaches start to lose the room. So at a certain point when it's, whether it's two or three years, apparently coaches just like, like they, whatever they're saying, players stop listening to it and stop doing it, whatever they're asked of. And like you just said, John Cooper has been coaching for like 10 years or something like that in Tampa, maybe even more. So this is complete bullshit. Um, I think Daryl Sutter is just like a cranky asshole like beyond all assholes. And because of that, his shelf life is much, much shorter than most coaches. And like, don't get me wrong. Like he clearly knows how to implement a defensive system. Um, but he doesn't know how to manage players and manage just, just be just, just how to be a, a nice social human being basically. So I, 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 I think that things will be looking up for Calgary in the future because they have a talented roster. Um, they definitely didn't get the most out of it this year. I mean, just look at Jacob Markstrom and Jonathan Huberto and the seasons that they had versus what they had years previous to that. I think if they can get a new voice in there that they actually like and want to play for, it could do wonders for the team. They should be able to rebound into the playoffs. And this is me saying that talking about a team that doesn't even have a GM or a coach right now. Um, <laughs> that's how much I think that they underachieved this year. So yeah. yeah. And like when having uh, like career low years from like, like Kadri Huberto and then not picking Tyler to in the shootout that will determine whether they're in the playoffs or not is like wild. Just like, Oh, let's go with uh, I don't know. Nick Ritchie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. I play, fantasy hockey i wouldn't pick nick Ritchie for my for my team but again like maybe sutter like had i think the only reason we're talking about sutter is because of that like crazy run that la went on where they're the eighth seed and they just like just destroyed all the teams until they won this cup and like that's what made him like almost legendary and and then but like i don't know they'll wait another five years and they'll probably rehire sutter again like they always do so like They'll they'll miss him and be like, oh, let's get him back and get some hard nose hockey going. Yeah, I mean, he did win the Jack Adams last year, so mm-hmm. there's still got to be some like I don't know, good feelings about him as a coach out there. Like he'll get hired by someone at the very least, and then probably yeah, filter back to Calgary eventually. But yeah, like like hearing like what Lindholm and uh, who else. Um, a bunch of players being like, I don't know if I want to come back here. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to like sign long-term if he's still the guy is like very telling. And I think you want to pick Lindholm over Sutter. Uh, that's for sure. Or like, I guess back backland as well. It was like, I don't know like if he's the right fit for this. 
I think if it's just at a certain point, like you, you can, if it's just like a couple one or two guys saying this, you can be like, all right, um, that's unfortunate, but we're sticking with our coach. But at a certain point, if it's like every second guy saying like, <laughs> I do not want to come back to this team. Uh, yeah, yeah, those yeah. guys like in the like in the press conference, like, yeah, I don't know if I want to come back here. Like that, they said that out loud. So like, imagine the people saying it behind closed doors. So yeah, spe- speaking of people saying things out loud, I don't think we spent enough time talking about the Jets. So uh, um, Rick Bonus and his press conference after their elimination was uh, was a doozy. It was, uh, I think you welcomed it because it was like nice to hear someone actually like speak openly and honestly. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to hand the floor over to you, Wyatt, to go on a bit of a rant against the Jets here. So, uh, yeah, let's take over. Round of applause to Rick Bonus. I'm actually going to get Christina to try some of this beer. You can just go off on a rant for a second. (laughs) I'll be back in, like, 30 seconds. Having having Rick Bonus – I'm just going to scream into the void. Having Rick Bonus, like, come come out at the end of the the game when they just got trounced – five uh in game five and it was embarrassed an embarrassing effort and him actually saying like this is how this is like this same problems we had in this game we've had in february and january and like there's no accountability there's no pushback the players kind of run everything and if they don't want to try then there's nothing i can do and he's like a pretty legendary coach and he's he's got a lot out of his players and him being like so frustrated but this is like so telling and like it wasn't Paul Maurice's fault because they're in the second round now. And like, it's this crazy awful core that like refused to take accountability. And like in the last press conference before the summer, all of them were like, I can't believe you said that out loud. That should have been kept behind closed doors. But guess what, Blake, it was kept behind closed doors since January because he told us that it's the same exact thing. And it's been said again and again and again, and nothing changes. And yeah, now they're just going to blame injuries and like, all we, we made the playoffs. Sheveldale was like, well, we made our, our goal was to make the playoffs. Is that the goal? That's the goal of this team is to make the playoffs and hopefully go on a run like that's not a thing that's not a a sustainable thing in a small small hockey market like the small the second smallest hockey market besides arizona so like you need someone to come in there and like light them up and like i'm so happy he did and then he walked it back a little bit but like yeah i was pretty disgusted in that great that game five like i was so disappointed after like they battled back and they were trying to do well but again it just like falls into that that awful mindset that they've shown every single year that I've been watching them. And I think like in January, they were top of the, of the, of the league. They were like, well, they were top of the West. They were top of the West. Boston was definitely ahead of them at that point. Yeah. yeah, Top of the West, definitely top of the central. And then they almost set the record for the craziest collapse in NHL history, where at the top of the West January, and they almost didn't make the playoffs. The, this was like the reverse blues basically yeah and so like there's you have to do something like there's not that is not a normal thing like you don't retain people because of that and like it wasn't bonuses fault but it's just that core it's like yeah, it's, a, it's not the, the the core is not good enough they're they, they feel like they're mired in like mediocrity at this point but they, but they think they're good enough which is so frustrating they think they are like the god's gift to like hockey and like this is a and i think bonus is like 
this room is now really comfortable. Like you shouldn't be comfortable. Your team is not very good. So I don't know. It's just going to be another, there's another year of this aging core. They're not going to do anything this off season. It's going to be, they're going to run it back again, just like the past four years. And I really think they're going to run it back. Like I I know that they've already run back Chevy and bonus, but you don't think they're going to be player personnel changes. No, they're going to try to maximize the the amount of like longevity they have. Like Connor Hellebuck is under contract for another season. Same with Wheeler, I think has another season. Shifley has an, at least another two seasons. PLD's gone next year, but like they have another season there. Like they're going to try to do it again. And then when it ultimately falters, which it will, they'll go on a fire sale and sell everybody off. And then it'll be really dark. It'll be like a a very poor playing team that'll be that can't bring in money to the city can't bring in money to like people to watch this because no one wants to see them not try and not give any effort that's that's what worries me is that you've got assets right now that could get you a real return that could make this a quick rebuild if you are forward thinking enough that you're willing to do it right now um, you could get a lot for Hellebuck if you're willing to trade him, which I know sounds like a wild proposition, but I mean, we saw in the playoffs that he wasn't himself and like goaltending is so hard to predict. Like Akira Shmead just came out of nowhere to do what he's doing. So I think that when you've got a goalie with the reputation that Hellebuck has, who's getting older and the team around him is just not good enough, um, you might as well just sell him off and get a ton for him because like if it's going to be a crap shoot in the playoffs anyways, like if he's just going to put up an 898 save percentage or whatever it was, like what's the point in having him? Uh, I'm sorry to say. Um, yeah, like Akira Shmi has not played 65 games this season. And like, yeah, that, 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 that's the big part of it is that he's been rode into the ground by this team, yeah. uh, by Paul Maurice hockey before it. And just <laughs> by the current situation where like, who even was his backup this year? I'm trying to remember. David Riddick. Big save Dave. David oh, Riddick. That's, that's not good enough for the NHL. You need to have <laughs> someone who can handle 30 games plus. Like, um, like even when Eric Comrie was playing really well for them the year before, like he still wasn't putting up 30 games. He was he was playing really well in 20 games. They need mm-hmm. someone who is more of a one B than a backup, and it's. Mm-hmm. The same thing you're seeing in Tampa too with Vasilevsky. He just fell apart in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and he and I was looking at the stats the, uh, on an article that I was reading. It was talking about how he has played, like I think it was it was an insane amount. It was like 240 something games over the last like three years, playoffs and regular season combined, and then you have um, well, maybe that's not right because we've got like the the, the COVID shortened season. I have to look up what the stat was again, but I think what I remember seeing is that he played, maybe it was over four seasons or something, but the next closest was Connor Hellebuck who played like 190 or something, which mm. was still like, so it's so like a quite a wide golf, but you can see that these are the two guys that are getting rode by their teams. And so maybe it's not that coincidental that these guys who put in some unreal years when they were a bit younger in their prime still should kind of be in their prime, but are getting ridden too hard are faltering come playoff time. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think you got to trade Hellebuck. You've got to trade Shifley. You've got to trade Wheeler. 
Um, maybe keep Kyle Connor. He's still somewhat young, but he didn't put up much of an effort in the playoffs. So honestly, if you want to trade Kyle Connor, you could probably get a really good return for him too. Um, like trading trading any of those guys shows that like Chevaldeoff's plan failed, and he can't do that. He can't be a failure. Like this is this is something that like he's been doing. I think he's been in the job for ten years now. So again, like, what are you doing? Like, it's not working. And like, let's just keep doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. Uh, I think so, you got to gut the team. And I think, that, and I know that that's like not conventional NHL thinking when you have a team that just made the playoffs. But sometimes you have to be unconventional. Like, think, I just think that they could get so much for these guys because these guys are still seen pretty highly around the league, like, or uh, thought of pretty highly around the league. And like, if Tanner Janot can net you five <laughs> draft picks, like, imagine what Kyle Connor could get you. Yeah, and like, no one wants to come here. Like, it's a it's a very low appealing place to go for as a free agent. So like, you gotta like draft. You gotta build internally. Yeah, I gotta. You gotta do that. And like, yeah, this core is taking us this far. There's no like 2018 is like was great but it was also like what five years ago so like this is it's so so frustrating and this this mediocrity is going to reign supreme in winnipeg the i think the they're doing a season ticket drive right now where they threatened to leave like a veiled threat to leave the city if like the season season tickets don't pan out the way that they want to where like as long as jets fans keep coming uh, the Jets will be in Winnipeg. Like, how could you say that to like a fan base that lost their team to like re-trigger all these people that are like, oh, yeah. this is probably possible because obviously Gary Bettman wants more Southern teams and wants more money in the States rather than Canada. So like, why are you giving them an option there? Which is, so the fan base like hates the Jets right now. It's like a very low morale. And like, I don't know, who knows what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Sorry to, be sorry to sorry to, to, to have to talk about this. It's, a, it's a tough <laughs> subject. So, like, I think the the thing I really wanted to happen was them just missing the playoffs and having like, yeah, you're wrong, Chevaldeoff. Like, this is a team that can't make it. You have to blow it up now. But they made it and they won one game, and they're like, oh, we could probably do it again. Like, oh, let's try it one more time, and like, it's just. Like, oh, we keep making the playoffs seven out of the eight years that, like, they've been in the playoffs. Like, I hate everything. So, I think the interesting thing for me has really been, it it seems like, I don't know if it's just from my vantage point, but it feels like the fans are starting to really turn on Mark Shifley Mm -hmm. and Blake Wheeler to an extent. Mm -hmm. Well, Wheeler, like, actually played the play. Like, he actually did well these playoffs. Like, he, I think he knows he's done. And, like, it would be interesting to see if Winnipeg is actually going to buy him out but I don't know. But like, yeah, Shifley being injured, that didn't help. Morrissey being injured didn't help. But like Shifley's on and off like like per game. So like I want like Mark Shifley back in like 2018 where he like set the record for the amount of road goals and like he was good and like he was passionate. He wanted to do well. So like like you go back and you rewatch those like Dustin Bufflin teams. You're like, oh man, those are the good times. <laughs> now it's just like, Oh, we're in the darkest timeline right now. So it, it has to like, as soon as Chevy's gone, then there's some sort of like um, happiness that will go over the fan base. But right now it's, 
a very adversarial relationship. So I just wanted to show you the, the, the section of the, the amount of beer that I just poured out. Look at what it looks like right now. <laughs> oh, look at that sediment. <laughs> like a milkshake. Yeah, it looks like basically like orange juice mixed with like a tiny amount of cranberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad so far. But yeah, it's probably like just rife with sediment. I'm drinking some weird stuff right now. Yeah. Um, anyway, do you want to move on to, uh, I guess, just making our round two predictions at this point? Yep, of yeah. course. All right. So uh, we'll st let's start in the West this time because we started in the East last time. Mm -hmm. So uh, first up, we'll talk about the game that's going on right now. I have no idea what the score is, although I think, why didn't you say that Dallas had scored? Yeah, that uh, Dallas scored pretty early and Philip Grubauer sucks now. So, uh, <laughs> however, the Kraken are winning 4-2. <laughs> <Are> they... <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating. Are they winning the game 4-2 or are you predicting they will win 4-2 in the series? They are winning the game. It's in the first period, 4-2 Kraken. What? <laughs> uh, Philip Grubauer has a 667 goals against average and 818 save percentage. Uh, Jake Ottinger has a 692 save percentage and a 13.33 goals against average. I hate the fact that I own both of those goalies in my <laughs> dynasty team right now. Or Four goals against on nine saves for Ottinger and two goals on nine saves for uh, Grubauer. Okay, that's insane. I don't know how that's going to affect or impact my uh, prediction. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm just going to go with what I had before <laughs> hearing yeah. that. Seems like so, a very volatile series. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my prediction for this was going to be Dallas and seven. I mean, I already picked Dallas in our previous episode to win the cup, I think. So I think I have to stick to my guns since they made it through. Mm -hmm. um rupe hints has been an absolute beast so far i mean like they they seem like they have better depth with tyler sagan and jamie ben playing at the top of their ability or at least being like resurgent and joe pavelski's back mm -hmm. so those are the reasons i would have thought jake ottinger would have been a reason too but apparently not um <laughs> but i'll still take them in seven over the kraken i will make it seven though because i think the kraken are really feisty they're really deep they're just rolling like four second lines basically on forward mm -hmm. and yeah i i liked the way they played against the avs and it's i don't want to underestimate them but i still feel like dallas are just the slightly better team mm -hmm. um yeah who do you have in that one? Oh, the kraken obviously gotta go <laughs> gotta go with uh philip grubauer uh a great great goalie um and can't believe I traded him away. So there's that. And uh, like Eberly has been on fire, like almost killing um, uh, Andrew Cogliano and getting away with it was interesting. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, Justin so he, he did Did he not get suspended for that in the end? Nope. <laughs> That's insane. That was insane. like such an ugly, ugly hit. And he broke his neck. Yeah. <laughs> like, How yeah, Jesus. So, yeah, who knows? <laughs> and uh, Jaden Schwartz, great player as well. Um, who else is good? Brandon Tanev is really is good uh, on that team. I mean, we, we should probably be talking about Oliver Bjorkstrand because he hit the post three times and scored two goals in game seven against the Avs after 
basically doing nothing through the entire regular season and first six games of that first round. And so then, if uh, telling me yeah, anything, yeah. it's that Oliver Bjorkstrand has finally woken up and he's ready to score just like a hat trick every game. And we, yeah, exactly. We can't forget Ellie Tolvanen either. So yeah, <laughs> some, some great, great players on that team. So yeah, they're just going to keep going with coach of the year, Dave Haxtall. His nice <laughs> little uh, goatee and just like, just keep it going. So Kraken in like, I don't know, six. All right. I mean, it's fair. I think it could happen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So the other Western series, we have Vegas jet murdering Golden Knights versus the Edmonton Oilers. And I think most prognosticators are taking the Oilers at this point, even though the Golden Knights were the top seed in the West. Um, What say you, White Donowski? I'll throw it to you first. Oh, it's got to be the Oilers. Like I'm, yeah. Like Connor McDavid needs to like win a cup. So I'm like kind of all over them right now. Leon and Connor look so good together. Uh, kind of like faltered a little bit with LA, and then like they just ran the table. And they're like, yeah, we, we're done with playing with them, and just like dominated. So I think they can like tune that up to another level where the Jets never actually had any of those capable or caliber like players and uh vegas i don't think has like they have wild bill carlson but like and jack eichel but besides that like their connor's gonna run riot all over them yeah i have to agree I, i'm going with the oilers in this one i think like dry and mcdavid together are just too formidable um yeah like going up against like jack eichel and mark stone as their one-two punch. Mark Stone is solid, but I still don't really trust Jack Eichel in big moments. I don't think he's made for that. Um, and I mean, they have neither team has amazing goaltending. Like, let's just be honest. But I still have to give a slight edge, I think, to Stuart Skinner as a goaltender over Laurent Brossois. Mm-hmm. That being said, the Vegas system is much more friendly to goaltenders. <laughs> um, but I think that. In the end, it doesn't matter when you're facing McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Oilers take it. And I'll say that the Oilers take this one in six. Uh, I'm thinking Oilers in four, just straight sweep them. <laughs> and yeah, Mark Stone looked really good for being injured all year. Let me let me just say that. Oh, how, how convenient. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. He had like a back surgery, didn't he? <laughs> Yeah, back in like what, like September? Okay, whatever. No, I think this. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. We don't need to. Yeah. But but yeah, they Kucherovd him for sure. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. So East Coast, we'll move there to the New Jersey Devils going up against the Carolina Hurricanes. So for this one, you've got, I guess, a team in the Carolina Hurricanes that were pretty much what I expected them to be in the first round. It's just that the Islanders were somehow even more depressingly boring and bad than I expected them to be. So, oh, don't tell it to Lou. So, like, I'm not that convinced that the Hurricanes are that good, but it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Um, I mean, Rod Brindamore is a great coach. He has the guys just running through walls for this team. But I have to go with my picks that I made Last week, since the Devils made it through, I had them go into the cup final. So I'm taking the Devils over the Hurricanes. Akira Schmid is just going to like play unconscious hockey. He's going to run the table, go 950 save percentage all the way to the finals. 
Um, he's the new JSG gear, basically. So, yeah, Devils, I'm going to take them in... I think this one's going to be... I'm going to say in six as well. Wyatt, what about you? Oh, it's tight. I don't know. Like, I do like Carolina, and they are very good. Like, Seth Jarvis has, like, stepped his game up a lot, and they have they have some really good players, um, like, on, on the team. They're actually, like, missing Pacioretty, and... And like Nashas is like killing it. Aho is a beast. Brett Burns is really good still. Like, I don't know. Shane Goss's bear is shockingly better on this team. And you can't um, say that, but he's got, he had zero points in the first round. True. And you can't, <laughs> you can't not cheer for Paul Stasny, who also called out the Jets last year being like, this team is not accountable. So Stasny has been shockingly good for them as like their isn't he like their fourth line center? But he's fourth line center like, scored the game winning goal or the yeah. series clinching goal. So like, um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's gonna come down to game seven overtime, and I think Paul Paul Stasny hits it off the boards. It goes off Akira Schmid's helmet, and then he lies down, falls asleep, and then it goes in the net. So again, I think that's <laughs> that's how. That series ends with a another fluke goal for Carolina. So I'm going to go Carolina in seven, but the Devils make it really close. I mean, you couldn't possibly get another insanely specific prediction correct like you did with Akira Schmid in the first round. But I think that the the bank off the boards off Akira Schmid's helmet and in for an OT winner in Game Seven from Paul Stasny is pretty specific. Yeah, or or like it go. It's like one of those ones that like the Jets scored where it went off like the helmet and like floated in the air, like above everybody and like falls behind him because no <laughs> one knows where it is like that, like that, like hand of God stuff. Like that's what I'm looking for, for that game winning goal where it's like not on anyone's fault. It's just like a crazy chance that happened. All right. So we've only seen eye to eye on the Oilers so far, <laughs> which brings us to the Florida Panthers against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, as you all know, <laughs> here we I'm go. I'm a pessimistic Leafs fan. <laughs> I was so pleasantly surprised that they beat the Lightning. I think I said to Wyatt and Stefan and Scott in our uh, messenger group that I was in wonderful disbelief or like some like wonderful disbelief or something like that. Yeah, I just couldn't believe that it was happening that they'd won a round, <laughs> but it's just one round, so. Now we have an actual series. We, we, we need to get some progress going with this team. One, one series is not enough for, <laughs> for me. And I want to see them play all the way up to the Stanley Cup. Like they're the favorite right now, apparently by the in the betting books to win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, them and the Oilers are the favorites to meet in the finals. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see it. I, I, I see the fact that they won three games in overtime against the lightning i see the fact that they were definitely outplayed by the lightning they were a team that has never gotten the bounces in the past but finally got all the bounces in that first round Mm -hmm. and i think to myself i know what happens to the leafs in the playoffs this cannot continue (laughs) so uh, i then look across at the panthers and i see a team that fought tooth and nail to get by the Bruins and I think actually 
in some ways earned it by the end of the series. Although looking at their advanced stats, it seems like they're pretty much last in every category <laughs> teams from the first round. So we basically have two teams meeting that do not deserve to be here is what it seems mm-hmm. like. Um, and because I'm a pessimistic Leafs fan, I have to go with the Panthers winning it in the end. Um, I just, I look at the differences in like depth and I think that these two teams are actually pretty well matched in terms of their forward and defensive depth in terms of their goaltending, like Samsonov Bobrovsky is pretty much a coin flip for me. Mm-hmm. I know that Bobrovsky has the potential to be absolutely God awful, but he also can play competently with more of a track record of that than Samsonov. He has two Vesnas for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I think I have to go with Florida and I'm going Panthers and six. And this was why I will attest to this. This is my pick that I locked in before I saw the results of the game. <laughs> um, oh, who hurt you so, so badly, Clemens? <laughs> Sorry. What was who, that? Hurt you, who hurt you so badly? The Leafs. The Leafs hurt <laughs> me so badly. <laughs> uh, I'm going straight up Leafs. It's, it's going to be the Matthew Nyes coming out round where he's just going to just destroy – the Panthers and Paul Maurice's awful system of penalty kill slash power play. And uh, I think I predict that Kachuk will try to fight Samsonov, which will be hilarious. And, um, and basically Matthew steps up his game, bunting his back, look out. He's going to be a pest. He'll probably try to concuss somebody again uh, and then get kicked out of the, for the next three games. So, uh, I think the Leafs are have swagger, and I think they're they they're now angry after losing to the the Panthers tonight. So Leafs in five, they're winning the next four games in a row. Bam, bam, bam. If the Leafs win run one round, they're going to run the table to the final. I can like guarantee that. You don't think there's going to be any sort of like Paul Maurice revenge tour, or even Carter Verhage revenge tour, since he was originally a Maple Leafs draft pick, but they never even brought him up to the NHL. They really? Just, like, oh, let him a- go. Yeah, oh, that's that's not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I don't know, like you, like so, these players aren't like Radko Gudis is not very good, and same with like Aaron Ekblad, he's not great either. Like Barkov, who's that guy? So again, like these are all like kind of has beens uh, on this team. Like former Flames Sam Bennett, who couldn't do a pull up on his, on draft on the draft combine. Like come on, like he's ha- how is he going to? do well and like test Brandon Montour for peds because he's been on a tear lately. So again, once they for sure, like 100%. who goes from like 37 points to like 73 and then yeah. scores five goals as a defenseman in round one. Yeah. He's, I think he's halfway through the Panthers all time goal playoff record, which is insane. So yeah, I think, I think Bobrovsky is like very, it's all mental for him. So as soon as he loses one game, they're going to go back to lion. They're going to, they're going to like, have the two goalies play off each other and it's going to be Samson off until he gets injured. When Matthew Kachuk tries to fight him, then, then Joe wall comes in and just lights it up and then becomes the <laughs> number one goalie in Toronto for the foreseeable future. Joe wall is the next to Mead. You heard it here first folks. Get ready. So yeah, Leafs in five, they're going to run it next, next, uh, next game. I only hope that you are as right in the second round as you were in the first round, Wyatt. <laughs> that would be just beautiful for me. <laughs> Gotta have so, faith, Clemens. Sorry? Gotta have faith. 
I am not a, a godly man and I have no faith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because of the Leafs. The Leafs have broken any <laughs> any chance of faith that I may have had at one point. <laughs> anyway, maybe we'll leave it on that note. Nice note of hope. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Wyatt. Um, may all your predictions come true. May the Jets do what they need to do and rebuild that god-awful roster. And by god-awful, I just mean mediocre. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, all all I want for the finals is to screw Gary Bettman. So, like, what's the worst final scenario? Obviously, Edmonton versus Toronto, where all the money stays in Canada. So, like, yeah, give me a Leafs Oilers final, please. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, the only thing that would have made it better would have been if it was uh, Leafs Winnipeg, but yeah, we can't, we can't have everything. Yeah, because the Jets are so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so. We'll see how this goes, but yeah, well, should be, should be interesting, interesting summer, but yeah, I don't know. Rick bonus is coming back. Shovel day is coming back. So like, let's just reset it and just do it again and see what happens. Yeah. They're all cowards. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) make some bold moves, but they won't. So yeah, it's like groundhog day for the past four years. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again, Wyatt. Have a good one. Yeah, thank you. Go Leafs.